0: the Lord is moving in this church. He's moving in this valley. Come on, who knows it already? Who knows it already? The Lord is on the move. The Lord is doing something. And I don't want to say that it's because of the fast. I believe the Lord called us to do a fast because he was about to move. I really do. I think the Lord was already about to move. And the fasting is to get us lined up with what he's doing in this season. But we've been fasting this week, and it's hard on your flesh, and I, I encourage you, and I said this right from the beginning, before we even started, if you were lax in your fast for this past week, don't feel condemned, I encourage you, we're going to be doing this for two more weeks to start fasting with us now, and if you've been fasting and you feel like it was too easy, then give up more, come on, I'm serious, I just want I want to get into his word today, but... We need to put the flesh on the altar. And that's what we're doing by fasting. The fasting is getting rid of flesh, it's denial of yourself, denial of what you want. And, and just want you to just stay. Come on. Uh, when I say stay, what I mean is the Holy Spirit was touching you. I don't want you to shift into sit down mode, into listen mode. I want you to let the Holy Spirit keep moving in your heart. He's doing something in this place, He, he is. And I believe that. And just just stay there, okay? And that's really what I want to preach about, about living in that place. There's a place in the Spirit that God called us to live. God called us to live in the Spirit, And hopefully I can, if you don't understand everything I'm saying today, let the Holy Spirit unravel it. And just for sake of time, I'd have to bring up a dictionary, a Bible dictionary, and explain some of the words for the rest of the afternoon. But just listen, the Holy Spirit will, I believe, will unravel some things. And uh, wow, so there's a place that the Holy Spirit is bringing us into, a place that we must live in. There's a place called walking in the Spirit. It's a place that Jesus lived. And I've talked about how there's a drawing away. There's a removal of yourself from the busyness of life, from the time of life. And we get into that place, a special place, a uh, set-apart place. And it's part of what I want to touch, but Jesus showed us that he never left that place. He left the seclusion where there was no distractions. And even, I mean, what, would, what were Jesus' distractions, really? <laughs> it, it was ministry. I mean, that's it. That's all he was there to do in that time. So he had pushed aside his ministry to have personal time with the Lord. And we need to remember that we are... Ministers, all of us, and that we need personal time as well. That's so important. But then when Jesus came out of the personal time into the ministry, he didn't leave the spirit. He didn't leave that. In fact, that's what fueled him. Come on, everybody, say it fueled him. We need fuel. Did you know that you need fuel? Who feels weak during a fast? You know that's on purpose. You're supposed to feel weak. You should embrace that. You're supposed to feel weak. Now, we don't stay in our weakness, do we, in Christ? But what is our weakness supposed to do? What's the word say to do? When I'm weak? Come on, that's right, right? So it causes us to push into Jesus. The weakness is there. Like, Lord, I'm tired. I'm hungry. Oh, yeah, it's because I'm fasting, which puts our eyes back on him. Otherwise, you have a Sunday, you have an encounter with the Lord, you have a Friday night, an encounter with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, and then before you know it, it's like Tuesday, Wednesday, and you're, you know, it might just seem silly, just eating can, can get us so into the, into the flesh. But now you're eating, and what are you thinking about? You're just thinking about your day, and what you have to do, and what you're going to make when you get home, and what you're going to watch after you eat that. And then how you're going to sleep after you watch your show. And what you're going to eat when you wake up. So the setting apart is on purpose. And the result, the feeling that you get during it is the Holy Spirit. We should not be saying, I'm weak. Why aren't you feeling, you know, why am I not feeling strength? That's not the strength he's talking about. He's not saying that you will even have, he's not gonna fill your stomach necessarily where that thing's gonna go away. He's gonna leave that there and that is his strength. That feeling that you're getting is his strength. Come on. The feeling is, wow, I need to, I need to dive in. You're right, Lord. It is serious times. It's serious. It doesn't matter if this world is coming to an end now. The book of Revelation is eventually going to happen. I mean, for Christians to not preach on Revelation is ridiculous because it's in my word. It was written 2,000 years ago. I mean, we got to be pretty close now, but if we're 10,000 years from now, I've said this so many times, our clocks are still ticking. Come on, our time is still short. Whether the time is short or not, my clock is short, and I want to make the most of the time as the word tells me to do. The word says make the most of the time. It doesn't just say to be busy. Although, busy's not a problem as long as you were fueled up to get you in there. So, what this fast is doing is it's revealing something that, wow, I am spiritually hungry and I didn't even know it. It's showing a spiritual hunger. It's revealing hunger. A lot, wow, Lord. And who's, who just fell after this first week, and you don't need to raise your hands. I don't want to make the people that haven't been fasting along with us, but just internally, I just want you to think about this. Who has felt the Lord internally begin to supply a spiritual food, something, something that's so opposite of your fleshly food. You're still hungry, but you, wow, you're like, Lord, your presence is back in my life and already a week. And for those that haven't, I encourage you, That quickly, the Lord's presence just starts coming back that quickly. I mean, one week, you start feeling his presence again. And we're going to keep going. We're going to keep still being his church, whether you feel his presence or not. But when I feel full, it's easier for me to concentrate on my day's task. Come on, this is just like, again, let's bring the children in. This is children's church right here. If I feel full, the task that I have to do in the afternoon after lunch is easier. When I'm hungry... I'm dreading, and it's hard for me to do it. When I'm spiritually full, then the task that I have to do, which is oh, it's always going to be in front of me, doesn't go away. The call that the Lord has put in front of us to be the church and to be his light is still there. But you're doing it starving. You don't even realize. That's why the Bible tells us don't get wearied, <laughs> Don't get tired, don't get frustrated, don't get overwhelmed in well-doing, right? In serving in the kingdom and being his church. Don't let it get to you. (laughs) Don't let it get to you. But stay in him so that you can avoid that hunger. Just stay in him. When you're in him, you won't be hungry. And Jesus promised that. He told a woman at a well, a Samaritan woman, He told her that there's a fountain and if you only knew, he said to her, if you knew the gift, if you knew the gift that God has for you, if you knew, if you knew the gift that God has for you, man, what a change. Uh, Just just this, this revelation that he's trying to get to her and he tells her there's a fountain I mean, you'll never be thirsty again and I've preached this before. Then the disciples come back and Jesus sat at the well. You know, the Bible says Jesus sat at the well because he was wearied from a journey. He was hungry. So Jesus sits at this well because he's hungry, which he doesn't eat. And then the disciples come back and they say, you've got to be starving by now. Have you eaten something? And he said, I've got a food that you don't know of. So he talks about the food and the water. (laughs) He's giving out the fountain, giving out the food. And this is this place that he walked in. I believe, it's amazing, the Bible says there that he was wearied, that he was tired. So he was also a human being. And the way that he sustained himself was by, he had he had spent so much time with the Lord, spent so much time with the Father in the secret place, in the private place, and drawing away, drawing away, drawing away, drawing away. So that then when he sat down and he gave... He hadn't. He was eating of what he had stored up with the Lord. Come on, he had eaten of what he stored up. I Me mean, times, you need to sit again, and it doesn't mean you're not working. Come on, we don't need to. St- we're not going to necessarily stop doing and being. He's giving of himself, but he's eating <laughs> of what had been stored in the Father. Does that make any sense? It says in John chapter four, verse twenty-three. He says to this woman, he said, there is a time that is coming. Indeed, it's here now. Everybody say, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. There is a worship, there is a walking out, there is a lifestyle, and really the picture that he gives us there with the water and with the bread, the manna from heaven, hidden manna the book of Revelation says is then he, he says this really in relation, he deals with her, not having a husband issue first if you know the story, and he goes back to what he was talking about here, what he was already living out showing, and this is what God is looking for is a people that are true worshipers who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 3, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. And we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort or no confidence in the flesh. We are spirit people. And it's such an odd thing to talk about spirit today. It's not talked about a lot in the church anymore. You know, Jesus physically left the earth and he sent the other part of God, the other equal part of God, the Holy Spirit, into the earth. It doesn't mean it's not wrong when you say Jesus come into my heart. God knows what you mean. And Jesus is with you through the Holy Spirit, so it's not wrong. But Jesus left and is seated. The Bible says present tense is seated next to the Father. But God in the earth is the Holy Spirit in your heart. Galatians says, why then we began in the Spirit? Are we trying to work things out in our flesh? In the natural, trying to do things in your own strength. God's looking for a spirit people, people of His spirit, of the spirit. And it might not even mean you might not even understand what that means today. That's OK. I need to preach it anyway. We're going to be people of the spirit. I just want you to say it out loud because it's what the word says and what the word calls us to be. We're going to say it. whether you believe it, understand it, all that. but I believe you do understand it. We are people. Of the Spirit. Because that's what God called us to. He said, I want true worshipers who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And here in Philippians 3, we who worship the Spirit, worship by the Spirit of God or in the Spirit, you could say either. In the Spirit, we are the ones who are truly circumcised. We're the ones that have cuts. We've set apart. Those, the circumcision, all that was, was that was the that was the sign that you were a Jew. That was the sign. That was the separation sign. That that was the sign. Okay, I'm set apart. I'm God's. And what he's saying is it's the really the cutting of the heart. It's a circumcision of the heart. It's a relying on Christ that he's looking for. That type of person. It says in Romans 2, 29, it says, No, a true Jew, everybody say a true Jew right? Because the the Jewish people were the people that Jesus came to, right? Jesus came to the Jewish people. Jesus was Jewish, and he came to them, and they rejected him. Now many received him. All of his disciples were Jewish, too, so not everyone rejected him, but many of the Jews rejected him, and he came, though, for them. But it says a true Jew because when Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed, it was no longer just your nationality. It was no longer what you were just born into. It wasn't a physical thing. You can't just circumcise now and be a, and, and call yourself a Jew. But a real Jew, the one that is, that is the Lord, set apart by the Lord and for the Lord. And the Lord's, really what he's saying is, the Lord's people are these. These are the Lord's people. They're ones whose heart is right with God. A true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. The Holy Spirit is looking to change our hearts. We must worship in spirit And when we do, when we get into that place, a change of heart happens. We don't try to change our hearts. We just say, I worship you, Lord. And I want to look at what worship means. Does anybody know what worship means? You know, this time that we just had with the singers and the instruments, that's not worship. That is an element of worship. That's not bad. (laughs) Who Who had an encounter with God during that time? and are very blessed by these guys that have set their, their lives apart, and have paid a price, and are bringing us into the presence of God. But what they are doing is an element of worship. An element of worship. Singing and, and praising and raising our hands is a part of worship. But we are called to be worshipers in spirit. Does that mean you're singing a song all the time in your heart? I mean, you can. Some people are like that. But a true worshiper in spirit is obvious, obviously is obviously going to have an encounter with God here because they're already worshiping all the time. But God's calling us to be worshipers in spirit, to be spirit people, people who, and I want to just I want to get to that in Galatians 5 later, but who walk in the spirit. But firstly, how do we walk in the spirit? How do we walk in the spirit? It says in Romans 8, and I love Romans 8. Who loves Romans 8? It says that those, in verse 5, let's pull this up in the New King James. Romans 8, verse 5, those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on things of flesh. And this word flesh is this word "sarks" in the Greek. And basically it just means human nature. The NLT uh, translates it as sin nature. It's the nature of your flesh. It's the nature of the way you think. It's basically, to put it bluntly, and and you've heard me say this before, what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. That's flesh. It's, well, this is how I feel. It's, well, that's not right. Well, you hurt me, and that emotional place in you. It's that place that says, I'm going to respond by how I feel and what I think. That's this flesh. But the Bible says that those who, set their, who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, uh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Spirit. So there's a contrast. There are people who live according to the Spirit, and there are people who live according to the flesh. That's the contrast that the Word tells us. It says, verse 6, continuing in the New King James, it says, for to be carnally minded. Or the NLT says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. I'm going to make a very strong statement, but it is the word. We're all going to die anyway. I mean, it's just, let's just be true. Now we we'll keep the children in children's church. <laughs> you will die. You can just choose when you do it. Come on. That was good. You don't, maybe you don't know that yet, but that was a Holy Spirit nugget. <laughs> That was the Holy Spirit. I'd rather die now. Come on, and not only have his life ahead of me here, but also have eternity. I mean, I say that also, okay? Also. We don't want, it's not just eternity. You have a life here that we should be living, right? It's not like, well, I have eternity, so we'll figure that out when I get there. You start eternally living now. If you're dead now, then eternity starts now. Come on, now we can bring the children back in. (laughs) If you're dead now, then eternity starts now. If we've already died, we're already eternal. But the Bible says that there are people who let their nature, everybody say, "My my old nature. My sin nature. It's my flesh, okay? And that is your what you want to do, that is, that is you. It was God loves the you that was born from your mother and father. He loves you, but there's some parts of you that are born because of sin. That's the Bible. Again, like I said, I could spend hours on some of these points. You'll have to believe me on that. I can back that up. But from Adam and Eve, you were born with sin. Jesus Christ takes that sin away but there is a process that you must go through. He does take it away. But you must choose to let him cut it. You must because Romans 8 here tells us that there's two ways of thinking. It says, letting, verse 6 continuing, letting the spirit control your mind. What is it? Letting? 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 That's the NLT, and I think that that's accurate. Or back in the New King James, it says, to be spiritually minded. Everybody say to be. To be is a choice, to be or not to be. It's a choice. You either are or you're not. Now the Holy Spirit helps you do it. That's Romans 8, and that's another sermon. We just don't have time. But that's a truth, and I love that sermon. He helps you do it. You don't try to do it. But it says, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to, what's it say? It, it leads to life and peace, which means without him is death. Without life is death, but being spiritually minded leads to life and peace. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here, that you're speaking. It says in verse 8, So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If you are in the flesh, you cannot please God. And again, I don't have time for the backing this up, but you'll have to believe me. If you don't uh, believe me, just go to the Word. God does not hang with flesh. The only way he was able to do it was through Jesus. Come on, Jesus is the only reason that flesh could be close to God. Flesh cannot, that's the word. It says it many, many, many times in many places. I just have to say it like a statement and you have to believe me. But go look it up. I encourage you always, every week you should be looking your word up anyway. Make sure I'm telling you the truth. Flesh cannot be near God. It's only through Christ. It doesn't mean, see, now, we can't just say, well, we're gonna, you know, we can't be near the world any longer because, you know, we're not flesh any longer. Well, that's why we have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in us so that we can be near flesh and not be tainted by it. But God doesn't hang near flesh. And the only reason we're able to come near him is by the washing away. When God looks at your flesh through a submitted person, a person that has said yes to Jesus, what well, God sees is Jesus. When God looks at you, he looks at your sin, looks at your past, looks at all that stuff, but you have submitted to him and said, yes, he doesn't see you anymore, he sees Jesus. So he says, come in. I'm getting ahead of myself, that's the sermon here. It says that, verse 11, the Spirit... Verse 11 in the NLT says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You hear that? The spirit of God who raises Jesus from the dead. So there is a death and there is life. You die and then Jesus raises you back to life. Just like Jesus was raised to life. Did Jesus stay dead? But he died His flesh died. All that Jesus is asking you to do is the same thing he did. It's not the cross necessarily, although Peter physically, right? Peter went and many Christians even today are being beheaded. They're physically on that cross. But that's not really what he's asking you. Jesus already had died on that cross before he ever went to the cross. When he said your will be done, it was already done. I mean, the actual action of it had to occur, but he had already decided, I'm gonna do what God's called me to do. And so that was it. It was an inter- it was a spiritual thing. It's a heart thing. Walking in the spirit is a heart thing. It's not a physical thing. It's not something you can try to figure out and walk out and, and plan it all out and get it all in your mind. You have to get rid of your mind. Well, that's crazy, pastor. What do you mean get rid of your mind? Your mind tells you all kinds of things, doesn't it? It lies to you all the time. All day long, it lies to you. Lie, 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 lie. And the devil's whispering in and enhancing them and putting some sugar. He's sweetening. You know, one person says one thing, and the devil's just throwing sugar on that thing. And now it becomes this giant tornado. One little thing. <laughs> But the Bible says, verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. New King James, but if by the Spirit you put to death. Everybody say, I must put to death. It says, if by the Spirit Jesus puts to death your deeds. What's it say? Everybody say that little three letter word thereafter, Spirit. You. This is the, I've preached on this before, this koinonia, this joining together with Christ. Communion, everybody say communion. Jesus didn't just create a little religious service and says, hey, you know, every time you eat bread and drink wine or drink some juice and have a cracker, you know, you're going to remember my life. That's fine. We do it. In the physical, because there's an internal thing happening in our heart. The physical just is helping our mind realize what our spirit's doing. But what he was talking about is so much greater than just breaking a bread and drinking juice. It's this communion. It's this oneness. That you have to become one with his flesh and under his blood. You have to let him and you become one. We must put to death the deeds of our body And we will live. It's the only way. There is no other way. Everybody say, there is no other way. It says, for verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. If you are not led by the Spirit, you are not a son. The word is clear. And you are not in the spirit if you're still living according to the flesh. Flesh doesn't have to be murder and lust and all the adultery. Doesn't have to be. Flesh is just no, Lord. And you're saying, I don't say that. I don't say it when the Lord says, I want you to forgive Tony. I'm not ready to do that yet, Lord. I bring that up a lot. Forgiveness because it is like, it's like the little tiny trigger in the bear trap. You have to. And that's flesh. Flesh is is very simple. It's anything that God asks of you that you're not willing to give him. That's the simplest definition for flesh. And you say, well, what would God ask of me? What's he asking of me? And I want you just to, I want to take you to a story here in the book of Genesis. W'e getting anywhere? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? I want to teach you about true worship. What being a worshipper is. There's a story in Genesis. It's in chapter 22. Who knows Abraham? Come on, who knows that God told Abraham? He took him out. He showed him the stars. He said, Abraham, you see those stars? Those are your descendants. He said, Abraham, if you can count the the, the sand on the seashores, that's your descendants. And then it's not happening, it's not happening. Abraham tries to make it happen with Ishmael. And finally, 20 years later, Isaac is born. And then sometime later, we don't know exactly. I've read anywhere from 13 to 35. Isaac may have been 35 years old based on who he marries and then has children and when you do the math, it's possible. Tonight, this we're talking like this is his son now. This is his promise. If he's 35 now, was 55 years ago. The Lord said, this is your promise. It's through this son that I'm going to do something. Who's aware of this story? Who knows the story of Isaac? Abraham waited. God prompt. He And you have to go way back. There's more than that. I mean, God, Abraham left everything behind. He leaves it all. He already left everything. He's already willing to leave everything. Now he's finally settled. Come on, sometimes in Christianity, we get settled. Everybody say, sometimes I get settled. He gets settled. He's all settled. Okay, finally, Lord. no more. Okay, I got over my family, got over this, got over that. We were in Egypt. Now that's done. And then I'm dealing with this king and that king and dealing with my nephew and Sodom and Gomorrah. And finally, some things are settled. And the Lord says in Genesis 22, sometime later, everybody say sometime later, God's never finished. Come on, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. He's not finished yet. Unless you are physically dead, he's still killing that flesh (laughs) so that more of his spirit can come out though. God is not sadistic. He has a purpose in it. He's doing it so that the spirit can come out of you because as long as you are holding on to you, it's not God. It's simple, but he says sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Everybody says God doesn't test. No, God doesn't tempt. There's a difference. Come on, God does test. He just doesn't tempt. He doesn't, I'm not going to try to get you to sin. He's testing. It's a little bit different. I'll apply some heat and some pressure so that I make you rely on me. It's a very different thing. He says he tested Abraham's faith. And it says Abraham called, yes. He replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and I love that God does that. God's like, oh yeah, not just you know, I, not the other Isaac. You know, the Isaac, your only son. You you know, the Isaac. You know, the promise I gave you. You know, you waited and waited and waited and waited and waited, and made some mistakes on the way. And I'm okay with that. But finally, it's Isaac, and you know that Isaac, the one you love so much. And I want you to go to the land of Moriah and go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Wow. Wow. Come on, Lord. Lord's doing something here. The Holy Spirit's dealing with us. And he's so good because he wants more spirit in us. He wants us to walk in the spirit. He wants us to walk like Jesus walked. And he's getting us there. And as Jesus walked... Jesus didn't try to do a miracle. He just did because of who he was. But God's trying to get us to be. So then there's something that the doing can come out of us. But we need to be. That's the most important part. It says the next morning, Abraham got up early. Everybody gets up early when God asks of you to deal with flesh, right? See? Everybody does this. I know this is just normal Christianity right here. Next morning, okay, Lord, get up early. Of course. Everybody would be like, oh, you know, the Lord's dealing with me in this area. How long has he been dealing with you there? Oh, it's been like 10 years, but we're getting through it. The Lord's been dealing with me this for a long time, probably two years now. But he's so faithful. The Lord's so faithful. I mean, that's not bad to say. That's not inaccurate in one respect. It's just so lazy. It's only because of his grace and his mercy, not because that's the way he wants it. The only reason he allows the two years, the 10 years, the 20 years or a lifetime is because of his grace and his mercy, but that's not the best for you. And who's missing out? God's missing out on the relationship, but you're missing out on the blessings, on the life, on the fruit that he wants to get in you and through you. You're hurting yourself the most by not listening to him. But he said he saddled his donkey and he took two of his servants along with him and his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire. I mean, he was serious. He didn't go and let's just, let's just feel the spirit out on this one and let's just see what he does. He chopped the wood. Come on, everybody say he chopped the wood. And he got, his, he got it together. This is a burnt offering. I'm gonna, and, I sit, and he set out for the place God had told him about. It says, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance and he said, stay here with the donkey. Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther and and everybody, I want you to read this out loud. It says, we will worship there. When Jesus said to the woman at the well, it's not on that mountain, it's not in the temple, there's a type of worship, come on. Abraham is pre-law. Everybody say Abraham's pre-Old Testament. The Old Testament everybody's talking about, Abraham's before that. There's no law. There's no Moses yet. This is pre-law. Jesus is talking about a type of worship that just says, it's so simple, and yet we're so stiff-necked and stubborn, and I'm included in that. I said, we on purpose. Yes, Lord. Come on, just say it. Thy will be done. The only reason it's so hard to follow God and the only reason we fight so much is because we're not willing to say, thy will be done. If we just said that every single time, you would never, ever have an issue in your life. That doesn't mean the devil's not going to come and bring hell (laughs) against you, but he's going to navigate you through it every single time. It doesn't mean it's easy on your flesh. It wasn't easy for Abraham. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Jesus is sweating blood. Don't say just because I'm led by the Spirit that I'm walking on lollipops and rainbows. That's not the Bible. The Bible says led by the Spirit, led Jesus into the wilderness. Led by the Spirit, he's in the garden and he's sweating blood. And the Spirit's not giving him an out. The Spirit led Paul... On a ship, he gets shipwrecked. He's in the water for three days. He comes out of this shipwreck. They're going to kill all the sailors. and fi- He pleads that they don't kill them. They get to shore. A snake comes out of a wood pile, bites his hand. I mean, led by the spirit. It says the spirit led him. We need to be spirit led. It doesn't mean easy, but, it, but he just shook it off. Come on. They looked at him and said, oh, you, you must have, have you must have been a murderer or something because we survived shipwreck, but you, can't, you didn't survive the punishment. And he just shook it off. It says that he just shook it off. We don't go looking for snakes. When the Bible says that vipers will bite you and they won't hurt you doesn't mean we bring them into the church and let them bite us, guys. Come on. Seriously. But when it bites you, just shook it off. There's a spirit walking. There's a led by the spirit type of walking that God's asking us to do, and it's right here. We can go right. I don't even need the New Testament. I'll go right to Genesis, all the same exact story. I tell Dawn and those in private, sometimes it's hard to preach because I'm like, it's just the same story every week. I'm giving you different details, but it's the same thing. I'm a sinner. God is gracious and merciful. And if I say yes to him and surrender my life, not only is there eternity, there's life ahead of me. That's the Bible. (laughs) That's the Bible over and over and over again. And what we're reading about is people wrestling with that. And those that said yes and those that said no. He says on the third day, he looks up, he sees it, and he says, the boy and I, we will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. So he was at least old enough to carry the wood. And it's also a picture of Christ here carrying his own cross. So I love the word and I love the types and shadows of the Bible. But he put the wood on his back. And it says, He carried the knife and the fire and they walked together. And Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, So he was old enough to understand as well what's going on here. (laughs) He said, uh, we have the fire in the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Thank you, Holy Spirit. He said in verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar, and he arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac, and he laid, everybody say, his flesh and bones. Come on, Abraham laid his flesh and bones on that altar. He laid his flesh. He laid everything. He laid it all on the altar. Everybody say, Jesus, I lay everything on the altar. It says, and Abraham picked up the knife, verse 10, to kill his son as a sacrifice. It's a heart thing that God's looking for. He was already trusting God. You have to realize he had already sacrificed Isaac the moment he left early in the morning. It's not about you waking up tomorrow and sacrificing your 13 or 35-year-old. It's yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Everybody say yes, Lord. Lord. He had already killed him in his heart. And it says in verse 11, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld. Everybody say, I will not withhold Anything from my God. He said, Even your son, your only son. I think this is such a significant story, and I think it's so powerful because so many times as believers, we've given the Lord everything except one thing, (laughs) given him everything except a few things. God is jealous. God wants all of you. He wants every part of you. Every single part of you. What's incredible is when you are willing to lay down everything, this is what happens. Who knows the rest of the story? Verse 13, Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorns, caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. In verse 14, Abraham named the place Yahweh-Jirah or Jehovah-Jirah, you may know it as, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use the name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. You say, yes, Lord, and Jesus steps in. Come on, let's look at the picture here. You surrender. You are willing no matter what, even if it means picking up the knife. Come on, let's look at the picture here. And Jesus steps in and does the the death. So we have joined with his death. It's complete and total surrender. It is absolutely, and this picture is so good because it's pre-law, it's pre-the actions. It was the heart inside of him that was more powerful than lifting up the knife. It was more powerful than all of the law and all of the doing. It was the heart inside of him that was willing to listen to God no matter what. No matter what he said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We just thank you, God. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we are people. We are people, Lord. As Galatians 5 says, Lord, that walk by the Spirit. We are people, Lord, that are led by your Spirit. And we are people, Lord, that worship by your Spirit. Let's just all surrender to him and you can do that in your heart. You can raise your hands. You can do that how you want to do. But well, Just surrender it. And, and, and Holy Spirit, I ask you, as we must ask you all the time, to search our hearts. We thank you, Lord. Your word says that you search the heart of the Father and you also search our heart. And the two are being connected. Thank you, Lord. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would reveal our hearts and reveal his heart that you would show us where we are off and where he has the right way for us. We thank you, Lord. We don't hold anything back. We are not holding back, Lord. We are not going to be a people that goes so far and holds back. We give it all to you, Lord. We are your people, and we are worshiping by sacrificing every single day, Lord, sacrificing our time, We sacrifice, Lord, our will. We sacrifice, Lord, our plans and our purposes, Lord. And we welcome the Spirit of God into our lives to lead us and direct us and show us which way that would be pleasing and, Lord, and lasting into eternity. We thank you, God. We glorify you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Give you praise. We thank you, God that you're so kind to us and so merciful to us. We thank you, Lord, and thy will be done. In every heart in here, I just encourage you, I encourage you in your heart to surrender. I encourage you to lay down every single thing. And the Holy Spirit, don't ask me for what that is. The Holy Spirit's already revealing it to you. If your heart is pounding right now and, and, the, and you know the Holy Spirit is working and he's telling you to give him that area, don't even worry. Don't worry about the other. Don't start sifting through his word and, and find where you're wrong and where you're right. Just let the Holy Spirit direct you. He knows what he's doing and he knows his word better than you. And let him show you his word. He's showing it to you right now. That area where you need to let go, the area where you need to repent. He's showing you areas where you need to forgive. They're all the same. There's no different. There's no greater. You're only elevating yourself. You're in pride if you think one is greater than the other, one is worse than the other. It's all just flesh, and flesh kills us, but spirit is life, and we're just going to surrender all that flesh, Lord God. Fear is the same as murder to the Lord. Fear and murder are the same by the Word of God. Fear says, I don't trust you. Murder says, I don't love your other children, so I'm going to kill them. But they're both the same. Let the Lord deal with that area and just give it to Him. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not going to worry. I choose you, Lord. I choose the fruit of the Spirit. I choose love. I choose peace. I choose joy. I choose hope. I choose to set my eyes on eternity and not this temporal place. And I'm, and I'm not going to let my feelings and my emotions rule me, but I'm going to be led by your Spirit that will be exactly opposite of, as Galatians says, exactly opposite of my flesh. And the Holy Spirit, at the moment he's just saying to you, the moment that you feel something rise in you that says... Me or I, or the words deserve, need, anything self, right there, let the Holy Spirit sift through those thoughts instantly. Let Him sift through those thoughts. I deserve, I need, I don't deserve this, I've been mistreated. Me, 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 me. Let the Holy Spirit sift through those because His Word says that there is no you. It's the end of you, the beginning of Christ. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Holy Spirit. Seal it. Let it be done. I thank you, Lord, that this word will be planted deep within our hearts. Lord, like your word says of itself, it will not be choked out. It will not be robbed. The enemy cannot touch these seeds because they're so far so far deep in us and so protected within us, we're going to hold dear, Lord, what you've spoken to us today. And I thank you, Lord, we're not going to let it get corrupted, but I thank you, Lord, it's going to grow in us and become life within us in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Amen.